0: He kōna i e pūrangi tēnei, irirangi o Aotearoa.
1: Tēnā koutou katoa and welcome to Insight, I'm Philip Tolley. Solo mothers on the benefit say they're still having to often choose between eating themselves or feeding the children and paying the bills. Charities and beneficiary advocates are busier than ever and the demand for food parcels is hitting unprecedented levels. The coalition government promised an overhaul of the welfare system to ensure people could live in dignity. RNZ's social issues reporter Sarah Robson investigates what progress has been made and what more needs to be done. And just a note, some names have been changed to protect people's identities.
2: I've never ever thought of having so many fathers to so many children. It's not something I wanted. I actually was the girl who thought she would have the home, the job, the one partner and the happy little
3: family. It wasn't that way.
4: shir has got five kids to four different dads. She's been a solo mum of the benefit for 22 years. Drugs and alcohol mean she has nothing to do with the fathers of two of her children. She doesn't want her kids exposed to that. And a couple of her former partners don't want anything to do with their children. Two of her kids were conceived while she was on long-term contraception.
5: I live on marbles, love, on breadcrumbs.
4: Um, My babies always eat.
2: I don't always eat. And that's my it's, that, is my, that is my burden sometimes because I need to eat for my health. I'm not a, I'm not a well person, I never have been. But um, whatever sacrifice I have to make for those kids, it's done.
4: But she's not alone. According to the latest figures from the Ministry of Social Development, there are just over 59,000 people on sole parent support, and the vast majority of them are women. Between them, those parents are raising more than 116,000 children.
6: Next to the one under the sink. Use your eyeballs and you tell
4: me. That's Josephine and her six-year-old son, who's reluctantly putting away the dishes that have been drying on the rack on the kitchen bench. Ah, Josephine's a solo mother of two. She's got a ten-year-old daughter as well, and she's on sole parent support what used to be known as the Domestic Purposes Benefit, or DPB.
6: Mm-hmm. Second door down, Sweetie, I'm not tell Josephine you and, that and that
4: her kids be live rurally. There, it's a beautiful spot Pretty nestled obvious. in lush bush, and wow. you can hear the tui in the trees. It's a 20-minute drive to the nearest town, but on her limited resources, she can't afford to forget anything because the trip is too costly.
6: So it means I go to town once a week, and anything I want to do in town has to be done on that day. Um, which is not unstressful, and then if you miss something, then you don't have it for a whole week. Um, I've had the problem with library books where if I can't find a library book on town day, then I get fines, and then we can't go to the library. So we got at the moment we're on a no library, we're on a, a library ban imposed by myself um, because I got a fifty dollar fine. Josephine still hopes she'll find the lost
4: book, but in the meantime, the fine is getting paid off a couple of dollars a week. She says the winter energy payment of just over $30 a week helped a lot and it meant she could run a heater to keep the bedrooms warm. But that runs out next month and there's still not a lot of leeway if something unexpected happens.
6: I'm doing well if I get to payday and still have anything in my bank account and it's not uncommon to run out Halfway through the week, depending on, like you were talking to my son about his broken arm, so um, that was three trips to the city, one one trip a week to the city. Um, so the petrol for that was horrendous, um, but you can't not do it. Also, I tried to get him his care transferred up to my local medical centre, but they would for whatever reason they wouldn't do it. So I had to go down to the hospital every time, and that meant that. For that week, we <laughs> I always like to say I shop for Armageddon. For me, I'm happy when the pantry is full. So I always have stores of food, so I just didn't go to the supermarket for those three weeks. Cutting
4: back on food spending isn't something Josephine takes lightly. But she says often, when you're a solo mum on the benefit and there are bills to pay, there isn't much choice.
6: Oh, it's awful. And thats it wasn't until the big blow-up with Two Day that I realised it wasn't just me. I thought the fact that I had to trim our food budget was a failing on my part. I thought it was personal. I thought it was because of some fault of mine rather than it actually isn't enough to live on. It's not enough.
4: Materia Ture's speech two years ago about her time as a solo mum on the benefit proved a turning point in the lead-up to the election.
6: I'd go to the bank every fortnight on Dole Day. I'd withdraw all the cash... Split it up into the little bits, wrap it up in, in rubber bands, as little notes about what it was for. I knew exactly how much I had for the rent, for the bills and
3: for the power.
4: Materia Ture said life was such a struggle, she decided not to tell work and income she had flatmates helping pay the rent. She knew that if she did, her benefit would be reduced. But facing mounting pressure over her admission, Metiria Ture quit as the Greens co-leader. After the election and negotiations to form the coalition government, an overhaul of the welfare system was promised as part of Labour's confidence and supply agreement with the Greens. It said excessive sanctions would be removed and changes would be made so people got everything they were entitled to. Those changes would ensure people could live in dignity and families would be lifted out of poverty. An 11-member expert advisory group was appointed to scrutinise the system and come up with ways to fix it. Chaired by the former Children's Commissioner Cindy Kiro, the group's 200-page report concluded the welfare system needed fundamental change.
5: We found a complex system. We found it was not fit for purpose anymore. There are lots of strange things and disincentives in the system and that it was joined up. So what happened in other places was just as important as what we were doing here.
4: The Welfare Expert Advisory Group made 42 recommendations, and implementing all of them would come with a price tag of just over $5 billion. But with benefit levels set at less than 40% of the median income, Cindy Kero says people simply can't make ends meet. The group's research showed that families on sole parent support were facing a budget shortfall of between 20 and $250 each week. So this isn't about
5: saying they're bad budgeters and I can make a meal for a dollar, uh, which has been some of the kind of criticism that's been levelled against people who are on benefits. Uh, this is about saying that they genuinely are far too low to survive in today's world, paying the power, paying for water paying for housing, um, paying for food, paying for petrol if you need to get
4: to appointments particularly. To ease that pressure, the Welfare Expert Advisory Group wanted benefit levels increased by up to 47%, as well as changes to the amount beneficiaries can earn before their payments are docked. But so far, the Government has adopted just three of the Expert Advisory Group's recommendations.
2: At the same time, we will initiate a more comprehensive programme of work to deliver uh, the long-term changes that are required.
4: That was the Social Development Minister, Carmel Sipoloni at the release of the Expert Advisory Group's report. She announced the government would make changes to index benefit levels to wage growth and increase the amount beneficiaries can earn before deductions are made from their payments and there would be more money for recruiting work and income case managers to get people into jobs. From April the 1st next year, the government will fulfil its pre-election promise to remove the sanction on solo mums who don't name the father of their children. Until recently, Josephine was one of those losing an average of $34 a week because she hadn't named the father of her son. He had left her when she was four months pregnant and told her he never wanted to see her again. With the help of an advocate, she went through the process of getting an exemption. And after six and a half years, the sanction was removed and she was backpaid $8,000.
6: I cried. (laughs) On the phone, they rang me to tell me. And my sixth-year-old was like, Mum, Mum, what's the matter? I said, no, no, it's good, I just, there's money in the bank account. Mum, Mum, are we rich? Yeah, here we are, honey, yeah. So that's incredible to not only have a lump sum, but also have the sanction lifted, which is every time my card declines, that's not going to happen for an extra $25, that's another gets me a day closer to payday. It's, um, yeah, it's incredible actually. The Child Poverty
4: Action Group has been among those pushing for an end to the sanctions, which its economic spokesperson, Susan St John, says has exacerbated the hardship many sole-parent families are facing. That's backed up by the Ministry of Social Development's own research, which found the sanction disproportionately affected children already at high risk of persistent poverty. Ms St John says the government should be acting far more quickly to repeal it.
3: Well, they are part of the problem, but the problem is very, very big. So they're a smallish part, but those families that are affected are very badly affected, and of course it's the children who are the ones that aren't being looked after in all of this. So removal of the sanctions when there are children is a critical step, and it's disappointing that the government is very slow to act and that the removal of the sanction for not naming the father it doesn't take effect until next year. If it's unjust next year, it's unjust right now, and it was unjust for many years.
4: Susan St John says the government's changes to linking or indexing benefits to wage growth and the amount people are allowed to earn while on the benefit don't go far enough, and they'll have little impact on how much money beneficiaries have in their pockets.
3: Benefits needed to be raised substantially before indexation. Indexation will only give a few dollars extra a week and not until next year. The issue of the uh, amount that can be earned, that's gone up minusculely so that by 2023 there'll be another $25 on the threshold. This isn't enough to compensate just for normal increases that would have been expected over that time. So those two changes are simply completely ins- insufficient as a response.
4: And that's something Josephine agrees with.
6: Base levels need to go up. There's no point indexing it when people can't live now. They can't live now. We did over 20,000 food parcels last year, so it's a huge amount of our work. And
4: a lack of income means and some and solo mums on benefits are turning to charities to help put food on, on the table. In the year to June, the Auckland City Mission handed out an unprecedented number of food parcels, just over 23,000. That's a 40% increase on the year before, when the Mission handed out almost 16,000 food parcels. Inside the Mission's food bank, there are dozens of brown boxes and paper bags stacked on shelves. Each one has a sticker with a number on it to keep tabs on this year's food parcel tally. Helen Robinson is the mission's general
0: manager of social services. So these numbers we started counting on 1 July, so you start to get a sense of where we're at already. So this is the family food parcels, and here is what we call solo food parcels. So if an individual comes, or let's say there's a family of six, we might give them one of these and one of these. But you can see that we're at 2500 for family and just under 1000 So I, I can say at a very quick glance that um, since the 1st of July, the mission's distributed 3500 food parcels.
4: What are in these food parcels? I, I can open
0: one up for you and show you. So there's a whole range of stuff in a food parcel. So every family food parcel would have some dairy products. So there'd be some margarine or butter, some yogurt if we had some, some milk. Um, then uh, there'd be bread, there'd be vegetables. So every food parcel has some carrots and some potatoes and onions. And then there is um, all these dry goods that go in the food parcels. So...
4: Back out in the missions drop-in kitchen and dining area, Helen Robinson explains who is coming in for
0: help. Overwhelmingly, it's women who are coming. It's Martin Pacific women. It's women raising children, and particularly women raising children alone. So it gives us an ability, when you stand back and look at the bigger picture of who is bearing the burden of poverty in our country, it is, sadly, women, women raising children, doing that alone, and Māori and Pacific women.
4: And many of those women are getting everything they can from work and income
0: that would be the normal case. As part of our process here, we would uh, sit with people and ask them what their income is, what their expenditure is. We'd check to see if they're accessing all their entitlements. And the, and the most common story we hear is that obviously that they are um, getting all that they can and that they are going back asking for food support and often are being granted it.
4: In the three months to June, the Ministry of Social Development handed out just over 229,000 food grants at a cost of $22.5 million. That's double what it was two years ago. But Helen Robinson says even with that help, many people
0: still don't have enough. What we know is that food becomes what we call the discretionary item in an income. So uh, if we have a certain amount of money coming in, we prioritise that spending. First of all, usually it goes to a rent payment so that we can ensure that we have a house to live. So if you look at what's coming in and then you look at the most basics in terms of paying for housing costs, transport costs, school costs, medical costs, food becomes the last on that long list. So it becomes discretionary.
4: Taylor's a solo mum with four kids between the ages of three and eight two girls and two boys they're living in a state house in Panmure her two youngest are with her and as we talk she's on hold to work an income
5: the struggle is real wins doesn't pay enough which they don't Like it's not enough I get five oh left over 4.41 after all my stuff but then that's still gotta pay for internet, gas, clothes for the kids and for me, food, and yeah, I don't think that's enough.
4: Like, and there have been times where she's had to resort to food banks for help. But only
5: when I need it, like when I am really low and I have extra bills and that to pay. Then, uh, How do shame. you feel going into a food bank to get food? I feel shame. That's shame, it's all right, I know, like, yeah. Hello? but I
4: need it all like, for my kids. I'm Sarah Robson and you're listening to an Insight programme about solo mums in the welfare system. Wander through the Glenfield Community Centre on Auckland's North Shore and right down the back you'll find a tiny office with a white sign outside. For 30 years the beneficiary's advocacy and information service has been helping people navigate the welfare system. Hello? Hello. One of its advocates, Karen Patty, says they're busier than ever.
7: Our actual client numbers and our phone inquiries have gone up significantly. So how many phone calls are you getting a day? So we get between say fifteen and thirty a day, around three thousand a year
4: a lot of the people coming in for help are solo mums.
7: With solo parents coming on to the benefit, a lot of them um, are coming from broken marriages for some you know, very clear reasons why they cannot stay there. Some stay there until they give us a call. When they give us a call, they say, oh, but we tried to get help before, and they weren't given the correct advice, so they didn't see how they could actually get out of that relationship. I find that fascinating in this day and age because... That is why, you know, that is one of the reasons why Benefit was set up so that they didn't have to stay in those abusive situations, but they still do, even now.
4: Changing the culture of work and income has been another of the government's top welfare priorities. Last winter, the Prime Minister Jacinda Ardern had a message for frontline staff who see people in need of help every day. Our
0: call to them and the instruction that we have given is when it comes to special needs grants, be flexible. Provide for those who are in need. That is what our social services are there for, and in the winter time, that becomes even more important than ever. That's the kind of culture change we expect. An Insight
4: investigation two years ago found that many people accessing help from work and income found the experience soul-destroying. The Welfare Expert Advisory Group's own consultation found that people accessing help just wanted to be treated with dignity and respect. So has anything changed Karen Patty says there have been improvements and some staff are fabulous in the way they treat people. But she thinks that attitude is still far from universal.
7: That kind of change has to be you believe in your job, you believe in what you're doing, you believe that these people are worthy and you believe these people are worthy of as much help as you can possibly give them. And if it can't work, you're going to try and make it work. Obviously, all within the policy, but there are different ways of doing it, there's a sensitivity.
4: Kay Reid is the Ministry of Social Development's Client Services Manager. For our
8: people, what we know, for those 1,600 case managers who work face-to-face with our clients, we know they get up every day to try to make a difference for people. And what we also know, because we do have attrition, is that we need to have training, constant training, and providing that training based on the government of the day, and new policies, changes in policy, and making sure that our people are well supported to be able to provide the right service. Kay Reed
4: says they receive 20,000 calls and have 8,000 face-to-face interactions
8: with people every day. We've got 123 sites across New Zealand and we have natural attrition with people leaving, new people coming... And we have a a dedicated training program. So it's a constant, you know, it never ends. And then when there are changes that are happening that the government of the day wants us to adopt and adapt, then we have to do that too. And there's the human element. And regrettably, sometimes we do get that wrong, and I say that with all sincerity. No one gets up to actually make people feel uncomfortable to make them feel upset, feel angry, they're trying to do the very best, and people like me, we need to make sure that we're providing our frontline staff with all of the support that they need. But she says culture change
4: is happening, and a drop in the number of complaints they're getting shows they're on the right track. In the year to June, the ministry received just over 7,000 complaints – Down from 8,600 complaints, a drop of nearly 20%. But what next for the government's promised overhaul of the welfare system? Cindy Kero says there's an opportunity to completely change the way it's focused.
5: We want people to be able to work. We need to support people to make that transition. It's not easy to come off looking after a child or a baby For six months, two years, three years, four years, and then get into a job. You know, there's a lot of stuff that takes effort to do that. And if you've um, been, you know, you don't have the kind of support you need, then that's even tougher.
4: The Social Development Minister, Carmel Sepuloni, says it's impossible to implement all of the Welfare Expert Advisory Group's recommendations at once. She's defended opting for changes to the way benefits are indexed over a general increase to benefit levels. I'm
2: relieved that some of the initial changes that we've made are changes that are systematic changes that were long overdue, and they are enduring. And uh, what we do know from even the previous government's one-off injection in terms of a top-up of benefits, that that was lost so quickly uh, because then housing costs continue to rise, the cost of living continued to go up, and the one-off injection, uh, before people knew it, was no longer felt.
4: Carmel Cipolloni says further changes to the sanctions regime are being looked at. At the moment, for example, solo mums can face penalties if they don't meet their part-time work obligations without good reason. They also have obligations requiring them to have their children enrolled at a medical centre and be attending preschool or school. The Confidence and Supply deal with the Greens promised to remove the most punitive of these measures, but Ms Sepuloni says they're still working out how the rules might be changed fairly, without leaving the system open to exploitation. But one area that has been identified already for work is the subsequent child rule, which means if you have another child while on the benefit, work obligations kick in when your youngest is one rather than three.
2: Those are the types of things that we want to look at. You know, what is fair, what is reasonable? Uh, We do believe as a government in mutual obligations. the, the government agency has obligations to people who need support in the welfare system, whether they be a disabled person, whether they be a superannuitant, a sole parent or a young person who's unemployed. The welfare system and those working at the front line have an obligation to support them. Uh, the mutual obligation, obviously, is that the person coming through also has an obligation back to the state. Uh, and it's making sure that that balance is there.
4: Regardless, a simple change to the Ministry of Social Development's guidelines to require two people to sign off on a sanction has resulted in a 30% drop in the number of sanctions applied in the last year. The previous national government brought in tougher work obligations for solo parents on the benefit as it tried to move more people off welfare support. The party's current social development spokesperson, Louise Upston, says the coalition government hasn't done anything to help solo mums and it
8: should be focused on giving them the support they need to get a job. New Zealanders are more than happy to support people in their times of need. That's why we have a comprehensive and extensive welfare system which provides a safety net uh, for people during those times of need. But we also have an expectation around people helping themselves and the system supporting them to get back up on their own two feet. With sole parents, we introduced additional childcare assistance, practical support with things like transport, um, you know, real things that make a difference to support them getting into work, um, because we know that work provides greater opportunities in the short and medium term for those families. Carmel Cipolloni says she understands the
4: difficulties solo mothers are facing.
2: Talking about sole parents is a really personal thing to me that uh, many people know that I have been a sole parent that at one point in time I was on the sole parent benefit uh, as well and so I do understand that struggle and the hardship that can be encountered. Uh, this government's already made some changes that I hope will be beneficial and uh, to, to the sole parents that we're talking about here today uh, and we want to continue to support our sole parents to realise their aspirations and to know that they have a government that backs them, uh, whether it be through the education system, uh, whether it be support for employment, uh, whether it be whilst they need to care for their children uh, and need support from our social security system, they have a government that backs them and believes that they have potential uh, and want to support them to be able to realise that potential for themselves and for their children.
4: What if they say that that helps not coming fast
2: enough? Oh, you know, I wish, there's so many things that I wish I could do immediately. Uh, I think that we're heading in the right direction. I think the changes we've made to, to date have already been constructive. Uh, and I know for some experiencing hardship, it may not be fast enough.
4: Carmel Cipolloni expects to be taking a three to five year plan for the overhaul of the welfare system to Cabinet before the end of the year. For Josephine, though, any changes can't come soon enough.
6: Like, the winter energy payment landed in my bank account, and that was incredible. Why can't they do that for sole parents? Why can't they go, wow, you're already working all the hours of the day and night raising children who will run our country eventually. Gosh, you deserve to not be stressed out 100% of the time trying to make ends meet. Here's some help with that. With announcements
4: about the government's long-term plans for welfare still to come, any reforms look likely to become a point of contention heading into next year's election.
1: That programme was written and presented by Sarah Robson. If you'd like to podcast other Insight programmes, such as the investigation into the relationship between beneficiaries and the Ministry of Social Development, you can head to Apple Podcasts, Spotify, the Insight page on the RNZ website, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Philip Tolley, and that's all from Insight for today. Great to have you listening, and do join us again
3: next time.